theory or practice, it's a constant battle when you're teaching. I'm Dr. Joy Patterson, the Director of Educator Preparation at Governor State University and the College of Education. And I'm Dr. Amy Viaquia, Governor State University Assistant Professor of English Teacher Education. In teaching and learning theory versus practice, Dr. Joy and I will duke it out over whether theory or practice wins the match. Yeah, I can't wait. So whether you're a teacher, an education leader, or looking to learn more about the field, you can hear from industry experts on education topics. We invite you to be the judge as we box it out. Stick around to find out who wins this week's match. Good morning, Dr. Joy. Good morning, Dr. Amy. How are you? Well, again, I'm really excited because my job is secondary English education coordinator. And we are talking about secondary education today. We are going to have this wonderful discussion this morning. And we're going to talk about that myth about pay and teaching. Many folks out there think that teaching is a low paying job. That can't be further from the truth. So we're going to talk about that. We got some friends here this morning that's going to help us debunk that myth about pay and teachers. So let me introduce our guest. We have Dr. Pam Gimo, coordinator and professor of science education. She has years of experience teaching high school prior to coming to higher education. And Dr. Rena Witten, the assistant superintendent for Thornton Fractional 215, which is right outside of Chicago, and our neighbor. Dr. Witten has also has years of experience teaching high school and has moved up through the ranks to now become an administrator. And we've had Dr. Witten before. And yes. so we think that she's the bee's knees. She's, <laughs> uh, she's amazing. So we're happy to have her again. And she's really an expert. When we start talking about pay and we talk about the other many benefits of becoming a teacher, she's been there. And actually, we've all been there, right? Amy, you started as a middle school teacher, right? So yes. you were a middle school teacher. I was a middle school teacher. Pam, were you, Dr. Gimo, were you a middle school or high school? High school. I was at school district 206, Bloom Township High School. Very good. And we have a lot in common because we both have science backgrounds. As Dr. Amy said, Dr. Gimo is the coordinator of the secondary science program at Governor State University. Dr. Winton, what's your background? What's your teaching background? So I am going to be the outlier in the group. My entry point into education was actually speech pathology. Oh, wow. Yes, 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 yes. So I actually started as a paraprofessional and then moved into being a speech pathologist. But all of my roles were kind of a co-teaching model within the English language arts classroom. So I was very happy to be in the classroom pushing in for language arts. We're glad to have you. So we're talking about the average pay for public school, mainly in the Chicagoland area. When we look at the average pay, that average pay is about 
47 to 87,000, depending on the years of experience. I think actually that's pretty good, especially when we compare that to other bachelor's degrees. So the average person that has a bachelor's degree, they make about 51,000 a year. So teaching is right in there and actually it exceeds that amount. Dr. Winton, talk to us about what your teachers get paid. I know there's a minimum starting salary now in Illinois, correct? What is that minimum starting salary? I'd like to say it's in the mid 40,000, I believe. Okay, yes, Mm -hmm. and the governor made that decision a couple of years ago. So there is a minimum pay in Illinois, right? Tell us about your teachers and the pay structure. Sure, so starting off in our district with a bachelor's degree, you would come in at about $51,000 and each year you move down a step. And so at year 14, if you still have a bachelor's degree, you are at $94,000. If you come in and you decide you want to go and get your master's degree, you, you move over a lane. And so if we're comparing, let's say, year one bachelor's versus year one master's, year one bachelor's will be 54, year one master's is $60,000. So we the pay is there. So it definitely okay. is a myth. Okay, so we have a number of years of experience and we have doctor degrees. How much would we get paid if you hired us? <laughs> you know, and so the funny thing is, I, I believe that we may be one of the only districts who right now in our contract, we go to master's plus 45. So with longevity, year one longevity, you would be sitting probably at $117,000. I'm sure you'd be a science teacher <laughs> and an English teacher. So Dr. Wenton, what did it take for you to achieve your position And how significant was that pay increase? Okay, so coming into District 215, I was a speech pathologist, and so I moved to director, executive director, and then assistant superintendent. I I received my educational administration degree from Governor State. Yay! Uh, (laughs) So I had to throw that out there, as well as my speech, uh, my communication disorders degree. Really, for me, it was just all the experiences I had with classroom teachers, talking about how to improve instruction. I think I was involved probably on every school improvement committee possible. And just getting those additional experiences outside of my role really led to this position for me. So we all know that teaching isn't just about what happens in the classroom, it's all those opportunities within the school building and within the district. So all of those things put together, move me up the pay scale. I. Nice increases. My district is, has been very good to me. How important was it? I got to be honest, I never thought about the money. I thought about the responsibility to my community, students, and, and our staff. Money is very nice. Don't get me wrong. We all have a standard of living. But I got to be honest, I never really said, oh, if I do this, I'll make this amount of money. But our district is very cognizant about, about being competitive. Our director of HR, executive director, looks at what other districts are paying. So we want to make sure that we are definitely in the game and attracting individuals to our district. I think you make a really good point. It's not about going in with the mindset of increasing steps. And if I have this degree, I will make this amount of money. I think it's about the job first, the kids first, the responsibilities to the district first. As you're growing, as you're educating yourselves, then 
you do get those incentives and those uh -huh. benefits mm -hmm. because you're doing something that improves your teaching, that improves your professional standing and your networking in the community. I think that's a, a really good point to make. It is. I mean, there's, I mean, those are so many benefits to teaching. Before we talk about some more benefits, can we go back to money for a minute? Not only are people sometimes concerned about the pay with teaching, because we really hear a lot of parents tell their children, oh, you don't want to become a teacher because the pay is too low. And we know that that can't be further from the truth based on what we just talked about. But what about the ability to afford being a teacher? Amy, talk about how you funded teaching when you became a teacher, because Amy and I, we're both career changers. I was in the science industry. Amy was doing business. Dr. Gimo, were you also in the I industry? I had 13 years in a hospital. Oh, wow. So I was a medical technologist. Okay. So we were career changers. So I know we have people that are listening that are probably in high school some that are in college, and I'm sure a lot of career changers. Talk about how you were able to afford the tuition to become a teacher. Some family support was very helpful. Really, it was about people pitching in to help take care of the children too. Career yes. changer is not just yeah. about the money, right? It's not just the tuition, it's childcare but honest conversations about what kind of support you're going to need is really important because you can't get halfway through your education and people not understand the time investment, the papers that are due, the observation, the field experiences that you have to conduct and also take care of the home. So everyone has to pitch in, especially for career changers. That was something that was very helpful for me. You Dr. Know, do you want to talk about your path as well? Yeah, I started out with an associate degree from Moraine Valley. I was a medical lab technician and I worked at Little Company of Mary, like I said, for 13 years. I realized that after a short period of time in healthcare, which really served me very well, I will never say that my associate degree was a waste by any means. But what I realized was that I really wanted time home when my kids were home. Working in a hospital means they're open 24 seven. My husband and I, he taught and I stayed home with kids on Monday through Friday and I went to work on the weekend and he stayed home with kids. So the kids never had babysitters to speak of. We both were able to continue our careers, but I decided early on that I really wanted something different than working in a hospital situation. So I started back working on my bachelor's degree, probably two months after my son was born. So I had a two month old and a two year old and it took me until he entered first grade before he went to first grade and I went to my first teaching position because working on the weekend and having kids during the week, all I could take was plug along one course at a time. Right. But the time goes by and you might as well be doing something. And so I took a circuitous route, but I got there and that's all that matters. Oh, you bring back so many 
memories, we are kindred spirits. I also started at community college, Daly Community College in Chicago, and I received my associate's degree. I was broke. I was first generation college student. We were always taught that the next thing after high school is to go to college. I knew I was college bound, but my parents hadn't saved money for me to go to college. That piece was missing and they didn't understand the whole dynamics around financial aid. So I went to Daly Community College and I remember my father giving me his checkbook so I, <laughs> so I could pay my tuition. I think it was like $600 for an entire semester. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, that was a long, long time ago. <laughs> and, and, by the, and after I finished Daly College, I actually got married. So I married young. I got married at six, 19, not 16, <laughs> but 19, at 19, which is young enough. And so I was, in a different category. I was considered independent. Being independent and broke, I had all these Pell Grants. So I didn't have to pay for my bachelor's degree. But when I went back for teaching, I used some scholarships. I used some cash and like Amy, a lot of support. Getting those teaching credentials, masters, PhDs, all that takes a lot of family support. So it's not just mm -hmm. a financial commitment. But I'm glad to say that I'm out of debt and I chose wisely. I chose to work in a Title I school that forgave any loans that I might, may have had. Well, let's talk about that opportunity because there are some ways, creative ways, that you can start planning to become a teacher even at the high school level. Yeah, there is. One benefit is the aim high, right? So we have a number of scholarships for those who are coming out of high school. We want you to start thinking about that now and scholarships that you might have available to you, such as aim high. At Governor State University, we actually have a dual degree program for people like Pam and I who start off at community colleges. We have articulation agreements with those community colleges. So while they're in community college, so that means while you were in Moraine Valley, Dr. Gimo, you could have selected to also go to Governor State. And at that time, we would have locked in your tuition for Governor State University. So by the time you get there in your junior year, you would not have to pay that increased rate. That's a lot to think about getting in that dual degree program. I know for some of us, if it's a second degree, some of us may have to take out a loan. And that's why I talked about the federal loan forgiveness program, because if you work in a Title I school, after you've been teaching for a few years, you can have up to 50% of your loans forgiven. But if you're like Dr. Gimo and I, and you teach science, <laughs> you can have up to 90% forgiven. So those are great. There's minority scholarships, minority teacher scholarships, which are great. There's special education teacher scholarship, there's STEM teacher. So there's lots of scholarships. There's lots of aid available to become a teacher. Dr. Winton, your school district, 215, you're a Title I school? We are. We are. And so and we're building a pathway for our high school students who want to become teachers. And just to the point of paying for school, I was able to take advantage of the minority teacher scholarship at the time. Speech pathology was a shortage field. So I had to agree to teach in a Title I school, also Pell Grants and, and things like that. So the, if the passion is there, the path will reveal itself. So it's definitely worth it. But currently for our, our high school students who are interested in teaching, uh, we received a grant, uh, the CTE Educator Pathway Grant. 
So starting next year as a junior in high school, our students will be able to take elective courses aligned to foundations of teaching. They'll be able to get some experiences in teaching within our classrooms and hopefully with our feeder schools or working on those partnerships. And then they will be able to also take the paraprofessional exam with assistance from Governor State so that while they are in school to become teachers, they are also working in schools as paraprofessionals. So we are definitely mapping out that pathway for our students. That's really important. And can you explain for all of us, I know we mentioned Title I, but what, what does Title I mean? Title I, historically, in, in a nutshell, means that the community that is served is at a certain income level. And so the, the government gives additional funding to those districts for programming. And so we are a Title I school, and it also means on the side of reimbursement or not having to pay back student loans, as long as you are working in a Title I school, get into a repayment plan for 10 years, you can do the public service loan forgiveness. So there are these different options and opportunities depending on which pathway you take. I always say research, research, research. Um, if you're a high school student, you can start those conversations with your counselor. Any college you go to, you can go to the financial aid office and have those conversations. And we all know that Google is our best friends. Uh -huh. We can use Google and find out that information. No one wants to graduate from college at all with a steep of debt. So it's always worth looking into. And it's worth looking at steps along the way, too. You talked about being a paraprofessional on your way to having teaching credentials or administration credentials. Could you talk about that a little bit more? What are some steps along the way that someone who might not be able to finish in you know a short amount of time, family responsibilities, other responsibilities, they don't want to take out a lot of loans for education. What are some steps along the way where they can start working towards those teaching credentials? You know, so for me, I was a single mom, so I worked, you know, as I went to Governor State. And what was great for me is that I could take those classes in the evening at Governor State. So I was able to keep my job during the day and go to school. Once I finished my bachelor's, that's when I realized that I could work in the school as a paraprofessional and then keep going. So I've always had to work and go to school. So it is possible. It is doable. But again, it, it takes that planning and that willingness. So at the time, governors had the 430 and the 720 classes. I don't know if it's, so I would get off work, drop the kids off with my mother-in-law, my mother, whoever could, could watch them until they could go to the daycare center at Governor State. And that's how I was able to get my degrees. Just being mindful of what you need to get done, what you need to get done is important and it's possible. Yeah, and Governor State University also has scholarship or financial assistance for the child care, for the family development center. So those students that are receiving any kind of aid, there's now also aid so that their children can go to the family development center for free. I would just really like to tag on to what Dr. Witten was saying. If it wasn't for Governor State University, and I can say this with 100% certainty, if it wasn't for Governor State University, I would not be where I am today. And I will explain why that's true. I started back on my bachelor's degree. So I already had an associate, so I was a junior. I started with a two-year-old and a two-month-old, okay? Had it not been for 4.30 classes, so that meant my husband could either get home in time or 
it was an hour at the babysitters. If it wasn't for that, it would not have happened because I would not have been able to proceed at one course at a time and then pick up the pace a little bit when the kids were getting older and that kind of thing. I got my bachelor's degree there. I got my master's degree there. And then because I was working there, went on and got my doctorate. If I had to commute to Chicago to go to one of the schools in Chicago to get my bachelor's degree, it never would have happened with my strong feeling of wanting to raise my children myself and also continue to move in my career path. Yeah. And I also got a master's degree from Governor State in environmental science. And I oh. lived in the city, so I commuted to Governor State. And I agree, if it were not for those 4.30 and 7.30 classes, I would not have been able to finish because I was working full time with children. I wanted to just go back to Dr. Amy's conversation about other benefits for teaching, why we got into teaching, because it wasn't for the money, even though we can earn nice salaries. Yeah, that whole salary business, that really is a myth that that is important to be debunked. So I'm really happy to be part of this conversation today. I will tell you that my daughter working at a local high school with a master's degree, with 30 plus hours, with 10, 15 years, she already exceeded what I'm making at Governor State University. Which so, is why we're going to apply. Which is why we're going back to the, the public K-12 schools. Yes, there are so many benefits. I can't begin to tell you the number of times that students have reached out and thanked me for a conversation that we had in class. In my family, I've got a particular genetic disorder. And because of taking my genetics class, they learned about it and learned how that particular tendency toward autoimmune diseases run in families, although mm -hmm. the specific disease may be different in one person or another. And lo and behold, they found that in their own family. And I had made such a big deal about it because although I was a biology teacher and I knew about autoimmune diseases, I didn't understand that different individuals in the same family could have different autoimmune diseases. But because they cluster under that umbrella of autoimmune, it opens your eyes to, well, maybe there might be something else here going on. So those notes of thanks, I had a student this fall in my animal diversity class that already had plans to be a teacher, but after being in my class, really refreshed his desire to continue in that direction and so on because he saw the things that could be done and he enjoyed my class. The perks that you get on the side are things that never could be paid for. So you change that into money and you can't, you can't beat the career. I would never, there has never been a day, ever a day that I look back onto my previous medical lab technician years and said, ooh, I wonder if I made the right choice. So Pam, tell me in the secondary program, if I am an adult and I'm changing careers and want to become a teacher, how do I get through the program? What do I need to do? 
Right. Well, um, the first thing you need to do is reach out to the university. We do have academic advisors that do a very great job. I personally would really love you to reach out to me because let's just put it this way. Everybody's career path is different. And it could Uh be that you've taken classes along the way that you think have nothing to do with the direction that you're considering going into education. And lo and behold, you have many of those courses already taken. You are not starting at the beginning. And I need to be really clear about that. If you have a bachelor's degree already, you are not starting at the beginning. All of their general education courses? Yes. If you have a bachelor's degree, we will be able to take all of those general education courses. So at the very worst, you would come in at a junior. But by talking to me, I can really, I've only been with the program for almost 30 years. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there are so many alternatives and not everybody else understands all those nuances. I would really love you to reach out to me. I am never too busy to talk to a potential student. And if that means you're a high school student or you have an associate degree or you have a bachelor's degree, the comment is the same. I would love to talk to you. So if I already have a bachelor's degree, what program do you have for me, Dr. Amy and Dr. Gimo? We have the certificate program to become a licensed it's initial licensure for secondary English education, secondary biology, chemistry, math. So if you have a bachelor's degree and you are just needing to have the education courses, the professional education, as well as maybe some foundational or educational technology, those courses will stack as a certificate. You can be entitled as a teacher. So our methods classes are in the evening and we're working on very creative ways to meet the students where they are and with what they need. I just want to interject here that we are having a conversation with Dr. Pam Gimo, who is secondary biology and chemistry education at Governor State University, who taught high school for many years in the Bloom District and is here today to talk about debunking of teacher pay, as well as really highlight what we can do to get you licensed to be a teacher. Dr. Rena Witten is here with us from Thornton Fractional. As an assistant superintendent, has so much to share about the teacher pay and benefits and the other incentives. I taught middle school for 10 years, high school for a year, and am now an assistant professor at Governor State University, and Dr. Joy taught middle school. Yep, middle school science. Is now the director of our education preparation program. So we come from lots of different spaces and places to help you on your path to becoming a teacher. And you can contact me for any program, including speech pathologists, because I do licensure for all the 18 licensure programs that we have at Governor State University. And Dr. Amy, I wanna go back to a word that you mentioned earlier, initial licensure. And just for our listeners, when you are becoming a teacher, you must first get your first license, your initial licensure to teach in that particular content, whether it's early childhood, elementary, secondary, 
English, secondary math, secondary biology, secondary chemistry. We also have social studies, but we also have these other educators like Dr. Witten has for communication disorder of re receiving speech pathologist license and school counseling and school psychologists and school social work, as well as our administrative programs. Once you receive that initial license, you can stack onto that. We saw how Dr. Winton stacked onto her initial license and she can take us through that, but you can stack onto that. And for most fields, for example, if I'm teaching in math and I want to now add science, I can take an additional 18 credit hours and take the content test so that I can add mm -hmm. science to my license. So I can add a number of endorsements, other teaching endorsements and administrative endorsements. Dr. Winton, can you talk about endorsements that you receive beyond your initial license? Sure. So let's see, I started off, I substitute taught, I was a, a paraprofessional, communication disorders. I have uh, my principal endorsement as well as the superintendent's endorsement. So was definitely able to continue as I grew in the profession and my interest grew in the profession was definitely able to always tack on additional endorsements to increase my pathway, to expand my pathway. I wanted to add on to something that talking about how you can continue to move on your career path. Dr. Amy was talking about programs for the certificate for people that already have a bachelor's degree in the content area and they want to get licensed. And yes, our certificate program is very effective for doing that. And it allows you to become a licensed teacher. But if you want to continue, you can use that same coursework and move toward our programs that we're in the process of developing right now. And those are master's degrees. So the individual will earn a master's degree, but much of that teacher licensure stuff will be part of that master's program. So it's not starting that one from scratch either. And end up having a master's degree in the content area. And then you're able to teach the dual, dual credit. credit courses. Mm -hmm. And what dual credit courses are, are courses that high school students can take that give them college credit. So it is actually possible at the high school level to take many courses at the college level. And so by the time you walk into college at day one, you are coming in with sometimes a whole year's worth of college credit. Dr. Winton, does your school offer, does 215 offer dual credit? Yes, we do. And in the new pathway that we're building for educators, we'll have some dual, dual credit courses as well. What's so, the maximum dual credit, amount of dual credits your students can take? It all depends on the student's schedules. Your schedule opens up your junior and senior year. You have to take all of your required courses. So typically, probably your senior year, you can take at least two classes because you're still obviously taking classes at the high school level. So there's definitely some opportunities there. And it's always great to walk into college with some credits. That's another financial incentive. Mm -hmm. We're having this conversation not only because we want to debunk the myth about teacher pay, but also because there's a significant teacher shortage right now, right? And it's really significant in Illinois, especially 
in our STEM fields, special education, and we have the shortage in secondary teachers. So we really want to debunk this myth so that we're attracting high school students, career changers into becoming t teachers because it's such a wonderful career. We've all had wonderful careers. The other thing, not only is there a teacher shortage, there's also a lack of diversity in teaching. Today, 80% of teachers are still white females. But when I look at our secondary programs, that doesn't seem to be the case. So Dr. Amy and Dr. Gimo, how are you able to attract a diverse body of students, not just in ethnicity, but also in religion and also in gender? Well, I think that Governor State University is an open arms, welcoming place to be. And some of our students now started perhaps as juniors at Governor's State and are continuing on through their masters. So they want to stay there. We are located in the South suburbs in a prime location for meeting the needs of the schools around us. And we have very diverse school districts in our proximity. And so this is a home that our students can come and move through their bachelor's as well as through their certificate to get licensure. And something else I want to stress too is that the STEM field, so we're talking about science and technology and engineering and math, there is a high need. But I still want to put in a plug for English because especially whenever you stack additional credentials like English language learning, special education, bilingual education with that license, you have so many options available to you. Middle grades is another area where there's a huge shortage. And it's kind of a forgotten area. We have people that gravitate to elementary and those to secondary, and then you have middle grades. And actually the requirements for middle grades are different than elementary and secondary but it's easy to add that credential. If I'm teaching high school English and now I want to teach middle grades, what do I need to do? So for the secondary candidates, it's just as easy as taking one class during, and we offer the middle grades endorsement class during the summer. Typically it's the first term. So it's a shortened term and the content exam. So that is what I always recommend for my secondary candidates because it is so simple. It might require an additional content for elementary school teachers because you have to have a certain amount of content in that. Yeah, 15 credit school. hours. Mm -hmm. And so that might be possible for elementary teachers to have just an an additional couple of classes in the content plus the endorsement. But for secondary, that one additional class is all that's necessary. Not only is there tuition, you know, you got transportation and then the cost of books and supplies. I know that our dean, Dr. Shannon Dermer, is very committed to reducing the cost of textbooks and things like that. And so she has actually charged us to come up with ideas of how we reduce the cost so students are not paying for so many expensive textbooks 
and we're starting to use more electronic resources. Dr. Gimo, Dr. Amy, how do you reduce some of those costs for your students? Well, I think the same is true. I think finding articles and other resources that are timely are often better than getting a textbook and using those kind of resources. So we often find or ask our candidates to do that search for the timely professional articles as part of their assignment. But I want to think about too, once someone is in the classroom, how costly might it be? Because if you're talking about perhaps there might be debt, so you're paying back your student loans. And maybe this is a question for Dr. Witten. Are there some resources for teachers in the classroom? They're already strapped. They're taking care of their own families. They, what's and we that love projects. We love so, snacks. So what kind of support or supplies can teachers depend on in your district? We're always hearing about teachers paying out of their own pocket for their own resources. So I can say that our teachers walk into their classrooms with the basics, right? You have your curriculum, you have your basic materials, you're in a building, in a school building. So yes, you know, I've heard folks say, I got to bring my own pens, you know, kind of thing. We do have those resources for teachers, but what should happen is, and I know it's very difficult to do, right? You come across a unit and you want to supplement. And so sometimes we're not able to budget that far off. There's a whole process with ORM materials in the school system. But we do have budget conversations. So teachers are able to talk to their department head or to their principal and say, these are the things I really need for this unit for next year. Sometimes it's a matter of timing. We budget the year before. I mean, I don't know if a lot of people know that. So in the school system right now, we're budgeting for August. Mm -hmm. So sometimes if you come to us in December, we're kind of like, oh, we hadn't really planned on that. Let me see. But it is a possibility to have a conversation with your building administrator about some supplies that you would need. But you definitely can walk into the classrooms at District 215 ready to go and ready to teach. Supplemental, right. we got to have a conversation about those supplemental things. And many schools do offer stipends. There is a way, you know, we do come out of pocket sometimes, to, to be honest. But many schools, they try to pay you back. They try to give you what you need so that you're not spending so much money. So I know our time here has been well spent. We have enjoyed talking to you all. We hope that you visit our website for more information. If you contact me, I will give you the entire rundown and how to become a licensed teacher. And then I will direct you to your respective coordinator. We don't just send you to the advisor and we have wonderful advisors, but our coordinators like Dr. Amy and Dr. Gimo, they love to get to know them and to guide you. So you can email me, you can email them, visit our website, learn more about becoming a teacher. Dr. Winton, she's a great role model. So just please reach out to us with any additional questions. I've certainly enjoyed today's session. Well, this is great. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, thank you much for inviting me. Thank you for listening to Teaching and Learning, Theory versus Practice with Dr. Amy Viaclia and Dr. Joy Patterson. We hope that you have been inspired by this conversation and will join us again as we talk about trends in education and perspectives on teaching. We welcome your comments and feedback. 
What conversations are you interested in hearing? We'll leave it up to you, our listeners. Did theory or practice win the match? I think it was theory probably this time. Uh, practice. Until next time, we're Dr. Amy and Dr. Joy.